Hello and welcome to the latest Royal Roundup from Talk TV. So pop the kettle on, this is The Royal Tea. I'm Sarah Hewson. On today's show, we discuss the King's lavish state banquet for the President of South Korea, plus how Harry and William could be sticking to one Christmas tradition this year, and find out which royal has claimed they're brought up not to overshare. Joining me to discuss all of that and much more are royal commentator and Talk TV host Daisy McAndrew and royal correspondent Rupert Bell. Hello to you both. Now, the King and Queen were joined by the Prince and Princess of Wales, the Duchess of Edinburgh and the Princess Royal as they hosted South Korea's President Yoon Suk-yeol and his wife Kim Kyun-hee for a white tie dinner earlier this week. Um, state banquet at Buckingham Palace. Very traditional in many ways. And then the introduction of K-pop and Gangnam style. Gangnam style. I think this really played to Charles's strengths because he is somebody, obviously he's been brought up to, who can marry high tradition and formality with a lighter touch and, and being able to be you know, quite funny and humorous. And so we had him there in all the regalia, a chest full of medals, the white tie, you know, all the, the frocks and tiaras and all the rest of it. But then delivering a very endearing speech um, to you know, addressing his Korean audience, some of it in Korean. And as you said, Sarah, referencing Gangnam Style, of course, one of Korea's most famous exports, that song that, that captured the world of a few years ago and and also you know playing host to this k-pop band this korean pop band um, who have millions of followers so it's not insignificant we had the soft diplomacy um you know and the behind the scenes uh you know trade deals going on and then trying to appeal to you know, a different audience a k-pop audience so i think it was a real success and there were honorary mbes for the members of Blackpink, and, and I think Daisy's got a point there, isn't there? The royal family needs to reach out to a younger audience, and this is a, is a pretty shrewd way of doing that, isn't well, it? Well, actually, you can go back to something I just about remember, when the Beatles got their MBE, and because <laughs> Harold Wilson, the Prime Minister of the time, said this was the best move he could, because he could make him seem relevant to the um, younger generation in the swinging 60s. So you can see exactly, you wouldn't say it's a cynical move, but it's a very good move, and also citing their environmental issues that they're very pro that as well. So there's there's many yeah. reasons why they have been given this honorary MBE. One of them actually has it for real, because she's um, of New Zealand, uh, half New Zealand as well. So I think it's a very shrewd move by the, the king and shows what he's about, which he does have charm to burn. And the significance of all the pomp and circumstances, world leaders love it. End it, of. Exactly. And it works. Because th th that world leader, whoever it is that is being mm. entertained at Buckingham Palace or Windsor, wherever mm. it is, is trying to get as much publicity in their home. You know, it's not the publicity that they get here mm. that matters to them. It's it's what happens at home. And if they can increase their popularity by being lauded um, by a monarch, it's a big deal. And then, of course, that will make them hopefully more likely to sign on the dotted line to get some trade going, to get some inward investment mm. into the UK. You know, it matters, this stuff, particularly in a post-Brexit world. Uh, and you actually look at the two countries that we've had state visits. We've had South Africa, 
their president, not universally popular, but it was seen as a significant move from a trade point of view to get into Africa. We've also had, he's had a state visit to Kenya. And then we've got South Korea. It is the post-Brexit world yeah. that Britain are trying to create and not looking, OK, he may have gone to France and Germany, but there are wider... Um, significant things at play here. Exactly, and it's important to remember these decisions of who get these visits or, the, you know, the, mm. these honours, uh, it's, it's the government who decides that, it's not the royal family. And when you dig a bit deeper into the finances, you see why South Korea got this. They are the 13th biggest economy in the world, but we, the UK, are only their fifth biggest uh, trade partner in Europe, not in the world, in Europe. We should be doing much more business with them. There's, there's money to be made there. That's why you saw what you saw. And, and it was interesting watching South Korea's president during that state banquet, during the King's speech, and he was looking around and taking in every moment of it. And you mentioned the soft diplomacy because the power of those occasions yeah. and the optics of those back home is really quite important. And talking of optics, we have to talk about the dazzling array of, of jewels, the dresses, yep. Daisy. I, I would ask you, Rupert, but you already told me you weren't <laughs> on no, no, no. today. Much, you're both much better qualified. <laughs> all I'll say from a male perspective, they both turned out well. They all looked, <laughs> they all looked amazing. There was a lot of bling on show, yeah. which, of course, you know, that's the occasion to bring out, to, to, to raid the jewellery uh, safe. Uh, so we saw uh, Kate uh, wearing the rose tiara, which is the first time we've seen her wearing that. That was a tiara that was given to the Queen Mother by her father. It's called the Strathmore uh, Rose Tiara. Now, in the 1920s, when the Queen Mother would have worn it, it would have been right down low on her on her forehead. But, of course, um, Kate modernised it by wearing it up high, you know, in amongst her hair, as it were, looking incredible. Uh, and actually, um, Queen Camilla looking fantastic in, in red. that red velvet. Yeah, a Fiona Clare red velvet dress and the tiara and necklace, the yeah, rubies. rubies. Yes, she really, she, she brought it all out um, for, the, for the state banquet. And then, of course, we had politicians, wives, you had Samantha Cameron, the new foreign secretaries, uh, Lady Cameron. Uh, now she was wearing one of her own designs, the Sefin. Uh, we had um, uh, the Prime Minister's wife, I thought, looked really fantastic in, in her red uh, satin frock. And then we had um, some recycling. We had Sophie uh, wearing the dress that she'd had made for the coronation. So perhaps a bit of a nod to the king's desire to see you know, green credentials being burnished. When else are you going to wear your coronation exactly. dress again? And Princess Anne wearing a brooch that had been given to her by her brother uh, for her wedding to Captain Mark Phillips. Exactly. And... You know, some people say, oh, we read too much into... Well, I may be one of those. I'm sorry to, be a, to rain on your parade, but sometimes probably just thought I'd like to wear it. But maybe you're probably right. Every, they do. Everything is thought out. So I'm sure there is an element... But sometimes. Well, we know that the Queen definitely sent messages, particularly diplomatic messages, with her choice of brooch. So maybe yeah. Anne is continuing that. And this was a, an affectionate message sent to her brother. And in terms of the everything being thought out, right down to mm. the menu. Uh, so they had a warm tartlet of soft poached egg and spinach puree, breast of Windsor pheasant. Uh, so very much keeping it local. Uh, uh, mango ice cream bomb for dessert and 
English wines as well. Uh, well, I, the one thing that's happened, I, I know it's like we're talking, well, it's a royalty podcast. English wines have had a huge renaissance. Mm. And the other day, I'm going to name drop here, I was with Michel Roux in La Gavroche. As you and, do. As you do. Sorry <laughs> to name drop from a great height. For, and actually, he was talking about he now looks for English wines. We are no longer producing um, vinegar. We are now yeah. producing really high-quality English wine. The only thing that's missing about English wine is a proper name for it. You know how there's yeah. Prosecco, yeah. you know, there's Champagne. Every other country has a name. Ours is called English sparkling wine. We need a proper well, name there for it. There you go. If you're watching <laughs> and got some suggestions, you can put them in the comments uh, below. Well, there'll be plenty of wine being drunk, won't there, on the Sandringham estate at Christmas this year. But major alterations are being made to the royal family's Norfolk Christmas celebrations this year. The first significant change since the passing of Queen Elizabeth. King Charles and Queen Camilla will stick to the tradition of attending church on Christmas morning on the Norfolk estate with the Prince and Princess of Wales and other senior members of the royal family. But the guest list of those attending Christmas lunch back at Sandringham House is being altered and it will include many members of Queen Camilla's family for the first time. Uh, Rupert, they're a, they're a blended family and they're all going to be coming together for Christmas at Sandringham. Must be one heck of a big dining room. Um, I think they're having to change. They're yes. having to move. <laughs> they're having to move the location, move as in move from a smaller dining room to the ballroom, the I ballroom. think. The ballroom, yeah. And what a table. But actually, what it does show is how it's important the King views Queen uh, Camilla's extended family yeah. and what it means to her and how important it is to her because he knows she's given up an awful lot but she do he does not want her to miss out on what she would normally be yeah. doing with the rest of her family and I think it's a perfectly normal thing to be doing because yeah. yeah. they have the room so I actually think it, it's a nice touch and you've seen how important it is at the various things we've seen the coronation or the, even at the state opening members of Camilla's family are very prominent whether exactly. it be pages so I think it's it's a perfectly uh, understandable decision that, the, that Camilla's family can come and enjoy Christmas because it does seem a bit harsh, doesn't it? You've got to turn up because we, we probably have to decide where we're going to spend Christmas. Well, exactly. And this was the thing, um, the first sign that the royals were moving in line with the rest of us, with, as you said, a blender family, was actually when, you remember when uh, Kate and William announced that they would do what most married couples do and alternate, Chris, try to alternate Christmas and go and spend some with the Middletons, some Christmases with the Middletons and some Christmases uh, with the royal family. And everybody was, oh, how can you snub the Queen? Because they were just being, you know, good children, you know, to, to all the in-laws and the grandparents. And I love the fact that Camilla's inviting you know, her uh, daughter Laura and their three children and husbands, so that's five, then plus four, you know, Tom Parker Bowles and his two children and wife. You know, so that's uh, that's nine extras for Christmas. There's even and her sister Annabelle Elliot. And her well. sister Annabelle Elliot, who we understand who isn't in who, who's a Queen's companion, what used to be called a lady in waiting to the Queen. Uh, very, very close, had a starring role in the coronation. Um, and we understand that she's, by Nate, but by trade, she is an interior decorator. And apparently she's upgrading some of the bedrooms at Sandringham, which aren't quite up to scratch. You can imagine they might have got a bit tired over the years. And as Rupert, as you were saying, I found it so mm. touching at the coronation that the Queen had the names of her grandchildren mm. embroidered on her coronation dress along with her dogs <laughs> you can see that the dogs are just yeah. as important <laughs> and in previous years she would have done the official bit mm. with the royal family on christmas day and then she'd have left yes. and gone to see her 
family and, and, and celebrate with them now, because they're hosting, uh, they, they are they bringing want. them all, all together, including... Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson. Yes, they won't be. We understand they won't be staying in Sandringham in the house itself. They'll be um, on a house uh, in the grounds. But but I think we've seen this mm. for the last few years. The thawing. We we know that it was really Philip who was um, the, the the block between particularly Fergie being welcomed back into the family. And and once he'd gone, we know Fergie and the Queen were you know, Sarah Ferguson were, were pretty close. But I think that relationship between Charles and Andrew and Sarah is closer than it, than it had been. And, of course, Christmas, at Sarah, we were all fascinated by all those traditions, aren't we? You know, the fact that they do presents and the big deal is Christmas yeah. Eve as part of the German tradition. We know from Harry's book that there'll be the big uh, trestle table covered in cloth, with ha which has, uh, you know, name places, but not for sitting down and eating. So your presents are put in front of your name place. And, and joke presents. And all, they? yeah, goon gifts, yes. <laughs> as my well, family calls them. But well, talking... well, for Charles, he's a great fan of the goon, so yes. you can see yes. why he would continue that tradition. Yeah. Talking of Harry, mm. In this extended guest list for Christmas this year, are we going to see Harry and Meghan on it? Because they've let it be known that they wouldn't turn down an invitation, Rupert. I, I can't see it happening yet. I, I don't... It may be between the King and Harry maybe thawing, but his brother... They're, they're mm. just a lack of trust. Even if we're hearing about this privacy, private call they had, mm. suddenly it becomes public knowledge. Now, I don't know who briefed who about this private call they have had and that's the problem and until yeah. we see a long-term period of truth and bearing in mind we got this book coming out as well which is not going to be desperately flattering on the royal family it would seem this is the only scoped book so uh, at the moment there is no time for them to appearing at Sandringham yeah. in a photo opportunity that is not not on the agenda no I think I mean is there right. a way round it Daisy that if the king did want to see them and, of course, see his grandchildren, Archie and Lilibet, Lilibet, who's only met at once. Could he possibly invite them for New Year, either at, at Norfolk or, if he wants to get a bit further away from the Waleses, head to Scotland? That's certainly been mooted, and I can... I can imagine, given that you know, we were talking yeah. about Camilla and how close Camilla is to mm -hmm. her grandchildren, she sees them all the time, she wears a gold pendant with their mm -hmm. initials on it, you know, she plays Wordle with her granddaughter every day, and you can only imagine that seeing that relationship for Charles must be very painful when he doesn't have that relationship with two... He's only got four grandchildren and he doesn't have that relationship with... Sorry, he's, he's got five, five grandchildren, he doesn't have that relationship with, with two of them. I think that must be very painful for him. And, and it has been mooted in some of the papers, as you were saying, Sarah, that perhaps, yes, Christmas is probably too tricky, but maybe New Year when uh, Kate and William, the three children, will have left Sandringham, they will have gone back um, you know, home, that maybe that might be an opportunity where... Uh, Harry and Meghan could come over. It, it would be a big deal, but I mm. think most people would celebrate it. Absolutely. Mm. Um, now, one thing uh, that did happen last year, despite all of the tensions, is we understand that Harry and, and William did exchange Christmas gifts for the children, for the cousins. Well, that seems a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. It may be thawing, because we know families are complicated, but somehow you think, right, I still will give a present to the children, because it's not their issue. And we'll try and have a period, you know, make it as normal as possible. And I think giving presents to uh, each other's children seems to me to be perfectly reasonable yeah. and a normal thing to do, whatever the situation. It may, there may be uncomfortable between William and Harry, 
but let's try and make yeah. it as normal because they exactly. will be cousins for life and then, you know, eventually they may bridges may be built and it will be business as usual. Well, that's exactly right. Of course, we've been talking about the importance of, you know, a, a grandparent-grandchild mm. relationship, but the importance of a first-cousin relationship, particularly when you are royals, when, you know, we know, having you know, heard from various royals, that you do feel very separate and you do wonder who your real friends are and you wonder who if... You can trust. Who you can trust. And they have always been able to trust their first cousins. We know that Eugenie and Beatrice have always been really close to Harry and William and the other, the other cousins as well. And you just think how sad mm. that those first cousins aren't going to have that when they grow up unless things change. And you actually see that Eugenie and Beatrice, you see with all the problems with their father, they still manage to have a completely normal relationship with the rest of the royal family, which yeah. is only a good thing because families, we all know, are very complicated and this one just gets at times more complicated than most. And I'm, I, the thing I like is that, that the king is building a strong relationship with William and Harry's, uh, William's children by spending more time there and reflects. And I'm sure it's painful that he can't see his others and I'm sure he would be desperate to find a way to get it sorted out. Yeah, agreed. And he's in his mid-70s. Mm. Now, of course, you know, if he lives as long as his mother, he, he will hopefully have another 20 years. But anybody in their mid-70s is beginning to think about how much time they've got left to spend with grandchildren. Prince Harry and Meghan stepped out in Canada this week for an ice hockey game date night. Harry took to the ice where he made the ceremonial first puck drop before returning to his VIP box seat to watch the remainder of the game. And when you looked at them, they were really relaxed, weren't they? They were dancing, they were cheering, they were caught on the kiss cam at one moment. They didn't kiss, but they, they laughed and they uh, smiled. What's, why are they there? I think, well, they're, they're there because um, that's the next venue for Invictus Games. But I think it's very clear that Canada is somewhere that mm. they both hold very dear in their hearts. It's It was where Meghan was living, of course, when she was filming Suits, when they first met. They When they first ran away from the UK, um, they, they went to Canada. They obviously feel very relaxed, very at home uh, there. They were... Uh, they were the guests of the chap who first introduced them. So, again, somebody who they feel very, very comfortable with. So, I think you just saw them at their most relaxed. And when you see them at their most relaxed, they look very, very happy. They, they're full of public displays of affection, which, of course, is, is lovely to see. Well, that's quite normal, the kiss cam thing. It's great fun, entertainment. And yet you know that they're going to be spot the spotlights on them but it's important we've seen him go to a couple of concerts and inevitably we've seen <laughs> photographs of him i can't remember who did he looking go grumpy. checking his phone looking, checking, a bit looking grumpy. grumpy and you think oh, i'd be delighted if i was there so i think you know they're back out on the public stage ice hockey's probably more his you know i don't know whether he didn't like the concerts he went to but they were zipping in and zipping out this looked like they were genuinely enjoying and having been to ice hockey matches they are great entertainment and it's easily you're supporting a team to get caught up in it so fair play to him he looked like he enjoyed himself uh, definitely on the world stage again yeah Sarah Ferguson made her debut as a This Morning host alongside Alison Hammond and Dermot O'Leary this week. During the Love and Relationship segment, the Duchess acted as an agony aunt offering advice to two couples struggling with intimacy issues in their marriages. And there was a running theme in Sarah's responses with the mother of two suggesting both callers reignite the spark by spicing things up 
in the bedroom. Um, what did we make of her performance on this morning? We know that she's game for a laugh. Yeah. And and there were some quite unkind reports in the papers saying... Yeah, you know, she did divide yeah. opinion among... So I had already read quite a lot of mm. negative coverage before I got around to watching it a couple yeah. of days. So I didn't watch it live. I watched it a couple of days after it went out. And actually, I thought she did absolutely mm. fine. Uh, yes, her reading of the autocue was a little bit clunky, but... For her and sake, it's, it's difficult for the best of us. She doesn't do it every day. She doesn't do it every day. She was, you know, she came across as very warm, I thought. She was promoting some of the causes that she really cares about, like defibrillators. She had a section uh, talking with a dog expert about how you know, Mick and the other corgi who she adopted were, were, were settling into the household. So you did get a few nice insights and into that what was mourned, going on. They'd been grieving for the Queen. They'd been the grieving queen for, for the Queen and one of them was terribly bossy. And it, all of that stuff was nice. Then there was, as you said, the phone in um, about you know, some, some marital or relationship issues. And her answer did seem to be, you know, go, go and buy some you know, sexy undies. And, and she that talked about leaving, view, leaving love notes in a... And former partner's squash shoes. She, she said that him. she had. She said that she used to love getting little notes, and that she did used to leave notes. She said in someone's um, squash shoe. We we imagine yeah. that that was in Andrew's you know, trainer. Actually, it was all quite sweet. I thought you know it was pretty harmless stuff. I've got to admire her tenacity. Yeah, her ability to to have everything coming at her. But she keeps on bouncing back. And, at the, you know, she has had... The, throughout the time, there always seems to be high times. Then she gets sort of the brickbacks coming back at her. And, she, and then she's been obviously recovered from cancer as well. Mm -hmm. I, I just admire her pluck and fortitude. And if she's going to be offering advice, take it in good spirit. I hope the couple feel that they've gone and bought whatever it, they it, needed to buy to spice up this, their life. Is this a longer-term thing? There's been some suggestion that ITV were trying her out as a potential replacement for Holly Willoughby? I very much doubt it, but she clearly wants to be out there. And, yeah. and I was reflecting when I was watching her that actually she's always been the same person. Mm. But when she first came on the public yes. scene, almost the public and certainly the royal family weren't ready for her. You know, she was very ahead of her time in that she always spoke her mind. What she you was always, see is what you get. Yeah. What yes. you see is what you get. And, and in the past, people th you know, thought, oh, she's terribly vulgar. Now, of course, we don't think in those terms so much anymore. I mean, some generations might, but now we just think she's kind of fun. She, you know, she she says says things that pop into her mind. You know, she's she's not all all stuffy. And I think you know we have slightly caught up with her now and quite like it. And she never complains, yeah. does never. she? No, um, fair play. Which brings us on to the next uh, item we're going to talk about, which is her daughter, Princess Eugenie. And she has said that members of the royal family are brought up not to overshare. This was in a podcast interview. She said, we've always been taught that the world doesn't need to know everything about us. I also remember um, them saying, and I think it was Sarah Ferguson saying to her daughters, put a smile on your face. It doesn't matter what you're feeling inside. No one wants to see a grumpy princess. Yes, <laughs> with her diamond <laughs> shoes. Yes, exactly. That get out there, smile, yeah. don't complain and don't overshare. I mean, I thought this was quite an endearing interview she did. She has her own podcast, which is um, solely and specifically about uh, modern-day slavery, so very serious mm. subject matter that she is passionate about, and mm. she set up her own charity about that. And she talked a bit about the things that she's that, that she cares about and that she tries to promote, but it was really a very personal interview, not 
oversharing, but she was asked whether she would do a more personal podcast. And that's when she said, we're kind of taught that, you know, that we, we shouldn't give too much away. But that she, she did give some things away. She was saying how her relationship with food, it was a foodie podcast, had been difficult because of all the criticism and attention she'd had, as, as she said, as a chubby teenager with a pudding bowl haircut and everybody, you know, commenting on how she looked. And she found that then she had a, a difficult relationship with food. I thought that was was very honest. She talked very um, glowingly about her, her children and, and what they like to eat and her sort of favourite meals and so on. And then did talk about um, what it'd be manners, because the podcast called Table Manners and whether and how at home with Andrew and Sarah, pretty much anything went around the table. But of course, going and eating with Granny was a very different, uh, you know, very, very different matter. And that um, Fergie's at home, the only thing that Fergie would say is, um, she said when she put her knees up, she, she would point at the knees and say, were they invited to dinner usually? <laughs> Which I rather like. I'm going to use that yeah. one. Yeah. Were, were, your knees, that were one your knees invited to I, dinner? I think I, I think I had members of my family saying exactly that <laughs> to me. Um, but I think it is, in, when are the oversharing? Uh, maybe we know which family uh, are like are liable of oversharing at the moment, um, and so I think there's a slight dig, uh, uh, Meghan and Harry, because we don't want. That's the whole point of the royal family, and Fergie's absolutely right. That gung ho spirit, get up, put on a happy face. That's what the general public want, and if they see misery, that's not what they've turned up. They they want that moment when they remember meeting a princess mm. to be something that is sparkly, because that's the whole point of the yeah. royal family. And she was also talking about the art of small talk. Mm. She was being asked about that yeah. and, and you know, whether it came naturally. And she was saying, absolutely not. It's something that you know, we in the family mm. have to learn and we're taught. You know. And she was saying, you know, I have an event on Thursday and it's a military event, so I will make sure I've done all my homework and I'll understand which regiments and I'll yeah. be able to say to everybody, you know, to anybody I meet, oh, you're in such and such, you're an engineer. Yeah. And she was laughing and saying, so then I'll say something really stupid, like, you know, aren't bridges fascinating? But, <laughs> but you know... She she was impressive She's, on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought that actually with the, the images of the state banquet and how they all walk in mm. with a member of the South Korean yeah. delegation and they've got to have their small talk ready yeah. for those moments because the cameras are on them, they're all walking in together and, you know, who do you turn to? The order, mm. turning to talk to the person on your right or your left. And exactly, all of that. And the other sweet moment actually was she was again talking about how chips are her favourite food in the entire world um, and that she has a habit of eating chips like this um, which came from not oversharing yeah, <laughs> not, chips. Not, not oversharing, <laughs> which came from she had um, her security brief her, her policeman was called Brian and apparently he always stole her chips and so she even to this day guards her chips with her, with her life that is all we've got time for this week my thanks to Daisy and Rupert if you want to join in with the debate please leave a comment and make sure you subscribe if you don't want to miss a single episode we will be back next week with all of the latest on the royal family hope you can join us we'll see you then Thank you.